Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. Coming up. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. We can talk to God. We can say, God, you know, I've got this plan. I've got this business proposal. I want your blessing upon it. Lead me, Lord. Is this of you? Guide me, God. If it's not of you, close the door. If it's of you, open the door. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. 2017, living the abundant life in the Father's love. You know, we heard a lot about the Father's heart and the Father's love as Rachel was talking about the communion and reading from the Psalms. And I believe that, you know, God wants us. It's not just because it's a new year. It is a new year. Yes, there are resolutions, some make, some break. But it's an ongoing journey with God. And definitely we can hope. Definitely we can look forward because our God is a God of hope. The creator of the universe, that's whom we worship, is a God of hope. He's a God who wants to lead us. He's a God who wants to guide us. So healthy lifestyles, healthy communities, healthy churches, healthy cities, healthy nations. And the scripture, the foremost scripture, if you want to put that scripture in the foreground, uh, it's John chapter 10, 10. A thief comes only to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. That's Jesus Christ telling us this. A thief comes to kill, only to kill, only to steal, only to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. The verse I would like to keep in the background besides other verses that we would be talking about. For you did not receive a spirit. This is to those who come to know God, come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Incidentally, Jesus never came to build, you know, uh, another religion or just a Christian community. He didn't call anyone Christian. In fact, Jesus came to bring people back to the Father. No matter what community, no matter what background, no matter what strata of society we come from, Jesus came for the whole world. And uh, this, it says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again. When we come to know God, when we accept him in our lives, but we don't receive that spirit that makes us a slave or in bondage or again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship. You see, becoming a son of God Almighty, becoming a son of the living God, finding acceptance with the Father, in the Father's love, in the Father's heart. And by Him, by the Spirit of God that He gives to us when we receive Him, we cry out, Abba, Father. And this Spirit, God Himself, who comes into our hearts to abide with us. That's what the whole message of the cross is all about. It's about Jesus not just taking our sin, yes, dying for the sin of the world, providing us a sin offering so that you and I can come before a holy God without any condemnation and have a relationship with the holy God and find our purpose not only in this life, but live forever in the life to come. So, Jesus came to bring that sort of life. So when he died and he rose again and he said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. 
the spirit of God who is with us and who comes to reside in our hearts. And I'll say a little bit more about that. But this is what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring an abundant life. An abundant living is what God gives us through Jesus. And that abundant living covers every area of our life here and our life to come. There are two words that I want to really focus on in that scripture that I read to you from John chapter 10 and verse 10. And that is the word abundance and the word life. In the Greek, these, you know, as the New Testament was written in Greek, which is very expressive. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, which is also very expressive. And the Greek word for abundant was the word, as Thea's, the dictionary says, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, preeminent. It has an advantage. It's remarkable. It's excellent. Now this is, you know, the life that Jesus came to bring to us. And the word life, the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animative, is alive. You know, an absolute fullness of life, essential and ethical, which belongs to God. It's the God kind of life that he gives us. It's a genuine life, a life that is active, a life that is vigorous, a life that's devoted to God, blessed in, in portion, even in this world. And those who put their trust in Christ, but after we die, you know, the life continues because the Bible says we get a new body, a perfect body, an immortal body which will last forever. So Jesus contrasts this abundant life in the scripture with, with a warning. And he says here, the thief comes to kill, to steal and destroy. You know, at the time when Jesus was here on earth, there were many who came in the name of God, who were being used by evil to kill, to steal, to, to bring falsehood, to deceive. And Jesus was really warning us about the power of evil the fact that there is the power of evil we don't have to say it when you look in the world when you look at what's happening in the middle east when you look at what's happening sometimes just on day-to-day -day life and you say how could people do something like this you know where could this come from and the fact is the bible does talk of darkness the bible does talk of evil and man submits himself to evil by by really believing by really his belief. If we turn away from the living God and walk in our own way, that's what really begins to happen. Evil is able to have total access. And Jesus was really contrasting this. And he says, you've got a choice. I want you to have this abundant life. God the Father, the loving God, wants you to have this abundant life. But you've got a choice. You can follow evil, follow your own ways. Because another thing about this falsehood is, you know, evil wants its power, its own power for its own gain. One, one who wants what is not his, but God's. One who wants to subdue or wrongly control a person. Or wrongly control a leader. Long, wrongly control a city or a nation. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It gives us another warning. It says, be sober. Be well balanced and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. For the enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now let's not be among those, as we move into this year, who falls prey to the evil one in our thinking patterns and in our actions. We don't have to. 
For us to take hold of this abundant life, to overcome evil, Jesus became the way. That's why this term grace is used. It's not something that we could earn. You know, it's not something that we could say, well, I'll do my good works. But then someone would say, what about your bad works? Some religion says that. There's, you know, there's going to be a wing scale and there's going to be your good works and bad works. But I got no chance if, if that happens. I don't think many of us would have a chance. So Jesus really came to, because he was God and he manifested himself in, in a human form. He came as a human being. He came to pay that penalty of sin so that you and I don't have to walk in that kind of condemnation. Don't have to walk in that type of uncertainty. Don't have to walk in that kind of fear and slavery anymore. But we could know a life of God that is free, that is peaceful, that is joyful. That irrespective of what circumstances may do or circumstances we may face, we can know this fullness of life. He gives grace and that grace is the undeserved favor but it also means a divine ability when we give ourselves to him. And all we have to do is turn around from our own ways and believe in what he did and receive him into our lives. And the Bible says we will be born again. We get a new life in this life and that life begins to grow we begin to learn we begin to walk in it and that life is what the abundant life is all about so we sometimes however even after believing even after following you know i'm reminded of this acquaintance of mine many years ago this was in the days when it's not demonetization but it was much before that where uh, you know the credit cards were really not in use here in india and uh, it was difficult to get foreign exchange when you went abroad. So this guy was invited for a conference. And uh, he was put up in this beautiful fancy hotel. And uh, he had very, very minimal amount of money in foreign exchange. So he was really sparing the ordering, you know, and kind of thinking, well, I won't have that. I'll just have tea. I'll have that. And after the second day, someone comes to him and says, I hope you're you know, having your meals, you're eating everything, and uh, he very diffidently or very sheepishly, you know, started to say, no, not really. He said, why? Everything's really paid for. You know, sometimes we are like that. Everything's really paid for. God's made a way for us, and here we are living in this fear. We are living in this anxiety. We are living in this uncertainty and just wondering, what if, what if? But I want to tell you with certainty here today upon God's word that God has made a way for us. He himself became that way for you and for me. He came for us across religions, across boundaries, across castes, across stratas, across geographical boundaries. He came for us that you and I might have life and have it fully, have it abundantly. Now there will be battles, but the Bible says with faith and obedience, we can inherit the promises of God. It is a promise to us. And yes, in one sense, God never takes our choice away. God never takes the choice you have. You have a choice whether to come today. I know there were others who couldn't come for whatever reason. Some probably a hangover. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever it is. But, uh, <laughs> but the point is you have a choice, right? You and I have a choice. God never takes that choice away. He never brings us into slavery. Even though His Son 
paid the price, even though Jesus paid the price and some of you said yes and you become his sons, his daughters and, and you know his leading and his life, he still never takes the power of choice away from your life. You know why? If choice was taken away, you can never be in true love. True love really comes with the power of choice. And God wants us to truly love him from the depths of our heart. So in these battles, he's given us faith. He's given us faith is not some blind belief. Faith is a doorway really to the unseen realm where the unseen realm can be brought into the seen realm. There are many things which science is discovering and will continue to discover. Of course, they change, you know, every 10 years and every five years we hear new discoveries and then we say, oh, what did we learn in school? This seems different. Because they are still discovering and praise God for science, praise God for all this. Because God does put within human beings the power to explore. He wants us to seek so that we will find. But let's look to Him. He wants us to knock and keep knocking and He says the door will keep opening. He wants us to ask and keep asking. He wants to keep giving. He wants to keep directing. He wants to be the center of our life. He wants to be the center of the universe because the universe was originally prepared by him so that man could live in harmony. And one day that harmony will be restored according to the Bible. But when God is for us, who can be against us? That's what the scripture says. If he, he did not withhold his son, but Christ himself gave his life for us, will he not give us all things? You know, and I've seen sometimes, you know, when we've come into the ministry, we've followed God, we've had to, you know, live and bring our children up. And sometimes, you know, money is a big problem in today's world. In the sense, you say, well, how do you manage? I remember my dad telling me, he said, how are you going to live, son? And I said, I still remember standing on that balcony of our house. I said, and, and there happened to be a sparrow there. I didn't orchestrate that. It just happened to come. And I remembered Matthew chapter 6. I said, Dad, you know, the Bible says that God feeds the sparrows. And I said, if he calls us for something, will he not provide for us? And I want to tell you all, no matter where you are in life, no matter what work you do, what business you do, what plans you have, if you are with God, God will guide if you let him. And the Bible definitely implies this, where God guides, God will provide. Amen? So, now these areas of abundant life and abundant living, I want to just focus on three areas, uh, you know, as we go into this year. But the three specific areas, firstly, your personal life. I believe it's important for us to have this relationship with God, this intimacy with God. We are living in, in societies where values are strongly being eroded, good values. And sometimes, you know, existential kind of living. And, uh, but God has set values. God has set things in, in, in order in this universe. He's a model God and he loves us and he cares for us and he wants us to have relationship with him and when we live with this intimacy with God our Father, he will develop things in our lives. You know the weaknesses will turn into strengths. There are times when we may say, well I'm failing in this area. God's not an impatient God. He's a loving God. 
And when we fail, we need to be quick to turn around to him and say, acknowledge it. I failed. This whole thing about the communion, one of the things is, that was read is examine your heart. Is to really say, well, when I've been wrong, Lord, forgive me. You know the word sin? The word sin is not a bad word, actually. The word sin is the word missing the mark. It's a word that really expresses something that is so close to human heart. Because we were ordained for a certain thing, but we do our own thing. We go our own way and we miss the mark that the Father has for us. That's what sin really means. So if, if someone says, well, you've sinned, don't think someone's condemning you, but just say, well, yeah, I've sinned, and that's why I need the Savior, and I need to turn around from this sin and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. And I've seen in my life, as I followed him, as I've been in the journey, as I've been a part of, you know, this intimate relationship with God, how God has changed things, certain things he just took away from me. I know I struggled with bad language. I mean, you know, when I, uh, it, it just happened. It was second nature, right? But when I came to the Lord, I, I couldn't really understand. It just went. I don't know how. But God could sovereignly do things like that. But there are other things he would cause us to be disciplined. He would cause us to be intentional about. The Bible talks of the fruit of the spirit as we walk with God. He says there'll be a fruit of love. The fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, the fruit of goodness, the fruit of humility, generosity, self-control, kindness, faith, and peace. I want you to imagine a tree with this multiple fruit, and you are that tree. And you can know this peace. Not just the peace when, you know, the conditions are good. Sometimes, you know, we are so circumstantial where, okay, everything's fine, I'm feeling good. Oh, it's great, great feeling. It's good to feel good. But if things are not going so well, the Bible says you can still know that peace. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, the peace I give you is not as the world gives you. It's the peace that passes all understanding. The Bible says don't be, uh, don't be worried about your circumstance. But instead, it tells you to pray, to talk to God. And it says something will happen. It says, and the peace of God will guard your heart, will guard your mind. So the peace that Jesus gives us, you know the meaning of that word peace? Let me say shanti, shanti. It's not just saying peace or shanti. It's not just some mental, uh, you know, attribute. It's literally a way of life. The word peace in the Bible is the word shalom. It means, it means life at its best. It means, it means a, a, a scenario where you have all things in God. Even though you have nothing, you possess all things. That's the kind of scenario that God has called us to have. And I'm not just talking here, but we've lived it. And we've seen that even in spite of having nothing, we've seen the peace of God take hold of our lives and God providing at the right times. And I don't care where you are. I've met people who are billionaires. I've met people right on, on the bottom of the ladder, the so-called ladder. But I've seen God switch roles. I've seen God lifting people from nothing to something. I've seen God bringing people down 
just because of their values going the other way, just because they've turned their backs on God, or maybe sometimes they've had everything, yet been so miserable, no peace, no joy, possessing all things, yet having nothing. But instead God says, having nothing, yet possessing all things. That's what you and I can have. Amen? Now God does provide. God does take care. God is a loving Father, and He will show you. And we need to be in this intimacy with him so that he can talk to us. He can walk with us. He can speak. The Bible says he will speak through impressions in your life. He will speak through his word. He will speak through circumstances. And as we grow in the community, we will learn to discern his voice. We will learn to know his leading in our lives. I like what John 15 says, you know, when Jesus said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want. And it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the father loved me, I have loved you. Remain in my love. You see, the love of God, beloved, it's an agape love. It's a love that desires the best for you. It's an unconditional love. That means in spite of my failing, in spite of my falling short, I can come to the father and I can say, Daddy, Lord, I've blown it today forgive me get me out of this lord now i don't have to get into certain things if i really belong to god and i start being aligned with god he will show us where evil is he will show us where we need to take a right turn when we were going left he will show to us he will warn us he will caution us And that's a journey. I don't have time to talk about all that today. But as you continue to attend community and community groups here, you will begin to learn more and more of that. So in your personal life, your intimacy with God, there are disciplines that are helpful. It's just like, you know, if you want to lose weight, well, got some discipline, right? There are a lot of exercise people here and uh, you're fitness people. And you've got to be fit. I mean, you've got to be fit. So we need to take care of those things. But there's the discipline of prayer. Intentionality. And saying, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to spend time with reading the scriptures. I'm going to spend time in meditating. In thinking about what God's saying to me. Not just saying, well, Lord, I don't have time. You know, we have time for everything else in the world. But we need to make time when it comes to our relationship with God. Start with five minutes, start with 15 minutes. I remember a guy who said, you know, everything he would come to me and say, oh, pastor, could you pray for this? Could you pray for my wife? Could you pray for my children? Every time he would come and I would pray for him. One day he said, why don't you pray? So I said, you know, we have a house of prayer and we have a place there where people can come and pray. So I said, I'm going to be there. Why don't you come? He said, I won't be able to pray for more than five minutes. I said, okay, five minutes. That's it. Come, let's go. So he came. Uh, one day and uh, we spent about 10 to 15 minutes in prayer he didn't want to go for about half an hour he asked me can i come back again you know that guy later on would spend about four hours and three hours sometimes every two or three days in talking to god not just for himself but to pray for others because the bible says god answers prayer amen 
He does answer prayer and we can learn to pray. That's why the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what discipleship is all about. Learning these things in God. The disciplines of fasting, the disciplines of time management. These are things that we've got to ask ourselves. Are we using our time rightly as we go into 2017? Our physical health is something that we've got to think about. You know, what, what we do, you know, yes, life is in God's hands, but he's given us a body. Right? There's the body, the soul, and the spirit. When you die, your body goes into the ground. Your soul and spirit goes to God. The body is like a case. Right? You see me here all there. But uh, the day will come when this body will go. But in my spirit, you will see me as I really am. That's what heaven is all about. But then later, God gives us a new body. But in the meanwhile, we need to take care of this mortal body. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know you not. That your body is the temple of the living God and God dwells in it. So what do you do with this body? It's not just, you know, I live two kinds of life or three kinds of lives. But you've got to ask yourself, when you're going to a place, when you're doing certain things, Lord, are you in this or are you not in this? And you ask him and you'll get the right answers. I remember some time ago there was a bracelet that people had or a, a band. It was called WWJD. It was WWJD. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So, so I'm in a situation, man, I want to cheat this guy. I ask the question, what would Jesus do? Right? And you'll get your answers. Start to ask those questions. You ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. Our service in God, firstly towards those around you, your own family. Service towards others. You know, God calls us as human beings to give, to serve. If you want to be fulfilled in your life, you can be the most miserable person. If you have everything and it's just all about you, I tell you, misery will follow you. But if you're miserable and you want to get out of it, start to take a step and go and help somebody else. You may say, man, I'm broke today. But you couldn't be as broke as that guy on the street there. And you could go and share something with that person. I've done that, beloved, many times. Sometimes I've got home, I've seen... Uh, there's a mad uh, kind of a guy, you know, I see around in my block. And he keep calling me, hey, pastor, I'm hungry. I just ignore him. But sometimes, you know, I say, oh, man, let me go up, get some food, get warmed up. It may be about 11 in the night. Pack it up. Go and sit with him. Give it to him. Pray with him. There's certain things you can do. Amen. And God will take away that misery. As you start to be a giver. They're talking about this home. They're talking about helping others. Yes, you can't help everybody in the world. But you can help those people who are across your pathways. Who God puts across your pathways. Sometimes it's a moment. Sometimes it's a journey that you can walk with, with people. And you'll find the fruit. That will make your heart glad. Fourthly, knowing and fulfilling our purpose. You know, in, in Proverbs 16.3 it says, Commit your activities to the Lord. And your plans will be achieved. Do we pray about what we do? We can. We can talk to God. We can say, God, you know, I've got this plan. I've got this business proposal. I want your blessing upon it. Lead me, Lord. Is this of you? Guide me, God. If it's not of you, close the door. If it's of you, open the door. You can pray prayers like that. And you'll find God coming to your rescue. I've known of many, many situations, beloved, where 
people have been guarded people have been guarded from doing the wrong thing people have been guarded from by taking the wrong step at the same time when we've not committed activities to the lord we can see the reverse now when you commit your activities to the lord things can happen sometimes it can may go the other way i remember this uh, Young Ed Show, you know, one of the largest pastors in the world in South Korea, telling the story about uh, one of his uh, uh, people of his church, and the wife said, you know, about praying for a husband, and the guy was a millionaire, and um, one day he just got broke. Something happened, so he was in a very bad state. She said, I don't know what he's going to do. Can you come and pray with him? So the pastor went and visited him, prayed for him. And God turned this man's life around. He came to know Jesus. He accepted him as his Lord and Savior. And fresh breath, fresh life came into him. But after that, he again became very, very successful. More than what he had before. And guess what? He went through a downturn again. And when he went to a downturn, the wife called the pastor and said, I don't know what he's going to do now. I mean, now he knows God and he's gone through this. And this huge warehouse was there. And so the pastor went looking for him and he saw him in the distance sitting on the floor and, you know, kind of, you know, acting pretty mad. That's what it seemed because it was about 100 meters. He couldn't really tell what was happening. As he walked towards him, however, he saw him praising God. And he said, Pastor, the last time when this happened to me, I had nothing. Today I have God. And he's restored again to be a multimillionaire. But my point is, when we have God, when we walk with God, when we commit our ways to God, if trials do come, God will make a way out for us. And he will show us with journey. It doesn't say we will not face trials. The abundant living doesn't mean that, you know, for example, demonetization can come. Whether you know God or you don't know God. <laughs> right? But, but when you have God... God can show you the way and God can help you. Amen? So, secondly, the church. You know, when we talk about this abundant living, and I'm going to wrap up very quickly here, but the church is not, you know, sometimes when I say church, close your eyes, some would think a building with a cross on it. No, no, no. That's a church building. The church is a people. The Bible says the church is a people. Just like the temple is a person, the church is a person. The word ecclesia is called out once. People who've, who, who hear the call of God and come to him and know him, they become the church, the called out people. The church is not an institution as it's made to believe today. But you look at the Bible and you, you see what I'm saying. So, as the called out people, we need to be healthy. We need to be a part of a community. We need to be, have our goals, our relationships, grow in relationships. You know, the church is not all a, a bed of roses, right? It's saints being constructed. You know, like someone said that outside the church building, they saw caution. And he went closer to that. And he said, saints are under construction. <laughs> you know, the church suddenly... A block may fall on you or a brick may fall on you. Somebody may throw it intentionally, unintentionally, you know. And you got to just take it, man. We, we are all being built up together. But 
God gives us a way of reconciliation. God gives us a way of forgiveness. God gives us a way of communication. God gives us a way of learning to know one another and to grow in one another. In the book of Acts chapter 2, 42, it says they continued in the teaching. They continued in fellowship. That's in in joyful koinonia and joyful relationship. They continued in God's word. They continued in prayer. They continued in, in, in eating together and breaking bread together. And that's what the church is all about. Thirdly, bringing health to our workplaces, bringing health to our communities and cities. You see, what God gives you as abundant life is not just for yourself. It's not just a selfish life. You can't really live a selfish life with God. Because... Okay, maybe you have a problem letting go, but learn to let go at least a little bit. And as you start letting, you know, giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your money, you'll find the Lord just helping you to become more generous, helping you to help more people. You'll find you have more than you can give. I think it was Colgate uh, that says, you know, the Colgate toothpaste, okay? But this man came to know the Lord the owner of Colgate, the founder, and he started to give 10%. Then he started to give 20, 30, 40, 50. And finally, he gave more than he kept. He gave 90 and he kept 10. And I've known many people like that and you cannot outgive God and they still have the billions. Now my point is to you today that as you start thinking of community, as you start reaching out to your city, as you start blessing your city, you know, sometimes we can say, look at the corruption, look at this party, look at what they're doing, look at that party, what they're doing. But the Bible tells us we need to be praying for our governments. You know that? Even if it's a bad government or a good government, depends which side you are on, you need to pray for your government. You need to pray for those in authority. Your boss is in authority. You need to pray for your clients. You know, I was with some business guys about four years ago, Melissa and myself in Florida. And we had these 500 CEOs or business owners. And you know one of the things they, they did, these guys? They prayed for their competitors. The guy I met, I mean, he had five uh, was microchip companies, you know, all over the world. And he was one of the guys who started that. If you heard about the book, The Gone with the Wind, his grandmother wrote that book, Gone with the Wind, Margaret Mitchell. And this guy... They came together and they said, what would Jesus do if he was a business owner? How would he run his company? And they started to bless the employees. They started to pray for those people. They started to bless their competitors. And that gave them such a healthy lifestyle. That gave them such a fulfillment in what they were doing. And beloved, you cannot outgive God. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 12, Jesus taught us to pray. One of the prayers that he taught us to pray was our Father. That was a pattern of prayer. We can come to God. He's our Father. And he said, you know, holy is your name. That's what praise is all about. That's why we sing. You can be praising God. You know, on the street, you can be praising God in your work. I remember Melissa. One of the things that drew her to Christ because she had this boss who was a director uh, and a scientist. And, and, you know, he would always be just kind of, you know, in, in worship in some way. I mean, she would just look at him and she said, this guy is like, you know, in the heavens. And he radiated glory. And he was one of the instruments that, uh, through whom Melissa came to know Jesus. 
So the point is, we can live that life no matter where we are, no matter what we do. We can live in this abundant life and not only live it for ourselves, but live it as we give it. And you'll find that abundance will not just be a drip, it will be a flow. Amen? God doesn't give in frugalness. He doesn't give stingily. He gives abundantly. So beloved, as we enter 2017 today, and great changes continue in the world, be aware of the evil one, but stay close to Jesus as you take hold and walk in this abundant life in the love of the Father. Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai.